hymns played or sung are always much more influenced, have an influence on the heart when they're played or sung by spirit-filled people. (laughs) So, Vincent Austin, thank you for allowing the Spirit of God to govern you and to worship with us. Tremendous preparation of our hearts for God's Word. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I would normally not do this, but I'm going to do it now because it's been a great relief to me. Um, Someone in our flock recommended, I guess I, I, I did mention a couple weeks ago that I was having a hard time making it through the hymns singing with a particular kind of mask on. Last week I was really struggling and I came up to open up my sermon having been already short on oxygen and my sermon was gone from my computer like it had deleted itself somehow and uh, so I was on half oxygen with my brain and no sermon so if I don't look at you as much today as I did last week it's only because my sermon did not delete itself today (laughs) and I'll be reading a lot of it but I came up not oxygen deprived because someone recommended that I use an N95 mask when I sing and I have no oxygen deprivation with this mask it's amazing so thank you so if you struggle like I did with breathing and singing that that worked for me so anyways let's ask God's blessing on the sermon this morning Father in heaven we thank you again for adopting us by thy spirit into your family. And we pray by the indwelling of the spirit of God today who illuminates the significance of the truth, significance of the truth of scripture to our minds and to our hearts that he would have his way in us as we read and study and listen today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So if I was to give a one sentence declaration of what our sermon is about this morning it would just be simply this it's how to develop a growing yet vulnerable flock how to continually develop a spiritually growing but yet vulnerable flock what's the definition of vulnerability or being vulnerable it's a people or a person in need of special care support and protection because of age disability or risk of abuse Recall with me Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. This hard letter, he addressed, in this hard letter, he addressed unique but difficult issues of sin and carnality in the Corinthian church. He prescribed corrective paths for this flock of believers that we really don't see in other parts of Scripture. They were tailor-made for them as they grew forward in or out of their spiritual lethargy. They did receive this letter of rebuke. They did begin to change. And as they were again actively being transformed by grace into Christ-likeness, there came a threat to their growth within the church in the form of these false ones. These invaders left the church feeling most vulnerable again. They influenced their growth 
and they influence their gospel outreach. So now, instead of the saved carnal sheep bringing lethargy to the church, wolves in sheep's clothing were doing the same. So Paul redirects their hearts to the all-consuming comfort of God in chapter 1. With great skill, he with humble confidence reminds them how God's grace had used Paul himself to bring about the gospel message to them in his own personal integrity. He directs their minds and hearts forward towards intentional gospel ministry within and without the church. We've studied that, all these things in 2 Corinthians so far. And he bolsters their hearts with glorious spiritual confidence by comparing and contrasting the glory of the old covenant with the even greater glory of the new. And if addressing these vulnerable saints with these wonderful truths was not enough, he dives into a reminder of how wonderful the transforming gospel of Christ has been to them on a personal level. This is where we find ourselves this morning as Paul relates thrilling personal realities of gospel truth to the Corinthian church in order to continue to underpin their walk towards Christ-likeness with spiritual confidence and humility. Our text this morning will be chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. So let's read these verses together. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. We can simply break this passage into three simple sections using words that begin with the letter R. First of all, we're going to discover their spiritual reality, their spiritual reality, and then secondly, their personal resolve, and then their divine resilience, their divine resilience. Now, we're going to uh, dissect this passage as carefully as we can for such a time as this in which we live. So let's move slowly through unpacking their spiritual reality. That's found just in verse 7. And we've read it. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves while driving around and even up and down our street, we've all seen a lot of Amazon trucks lately, haven't you? They're a busy organization. Some have been consumed with so many nonstop routes that there's little to no time to even, I'm recognizing, wash the vans 
or even repair the dings or dents and scratches they get as they're running their routes. Recently, I was sitting behind one that was particularly dinged up and dented up and unwashed at a stoplight. And this thought came to me. I said, wow, that's a really dirty van in need of repair, but it's carrying inside some wonderful treasures. These treasures are items that people need to function in their jobs as they work from home during the virus. These are items that are actually bringing income to homes to put food on their table, clothing on their backs, and roofs over their heads. There are some people who are making a living off of items in these vans since they lost their jobs, right? They've become Amazon inspectors or Amazon gift inspectors or analyzers, if you will. They'll buy something online. They'll have it shipped to their home. They'll post an analysis of the item. And as soon as they post an analysis of the item, their credit card is credited for that item, and then they get to sell that item and make money off of it. And there's people that are actually having their needs taken care of by doing that. The treasures inside these vans also include anticipated Christmas gifts to little children. So these trucks that are banged up on the outside a lot of treasures on the inside. And Paul uses even a more relevant illustration here to help the vulnerable yet growing Corinthian believer wrap their minds around their divine spiritual reality. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The two words we have are so powerful. Literally, we are continuing to have and always will have this treasure it's an abiding reality for everyone who's born again now we have this treasure within earthen vessels most of the earthen vessels in Paul's day would have been oil lamps cheaply made and sold in the marketplace. Now, there were several different kinds of vessels that this culture would have been familiar with. There was glass vessels. Well, if those chipped or cracked, that glass could be melted down and reformed. The same was true of any vessel made with the various kinds of metal. But the earthen vessel, when it chipped or was dropped or broke. It would shatter into a million pieces and wasn't even worth the time to fix. And it was really, in that culture, unfixable. Let's just go to the dollar store and get another one. But Paul says we have this treasure inside these earthen vessels. And the context defines the treasure that we have. It's the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that we've already studied once veiled to our hearts that now we see with open face. 
It has transformed our minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. We are always having this treasure while we still exist in vessels full of dings and dents. For the Corinthian believers, they were reminded by Paul that they would always have this gospel treasure as they existed in these earthen vessels, even though they continue, continually were made to feel vulnerable by the religious invaders inside their church. To encourage the vulnerable Corinthians, Paul clearly states that within their earthly broken bodies, there exists a forever reality of the promises of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This reality hasn't changed for believers, for us, regardless of the recent or long-standing sins that you've even fallen prey to. And this reality of grace always compels us to confess and to, to turn from the weights and the sins that so easily beset us, doesn't it? So why would Paul point our minds and hearts to this metaphor? Well, we need the doctrinal reminder of the divine legal security of our own newborn adoption into the family of God. But we also need the reminder of the next phrase. So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. So that. So here's the purpose of our reality. The purpose of our reality. It's good for vulnerable people who are going back, who are growing back, excuse me, to spiritual strength to be reminded that God in Christ has omnipotently and exclusively brought about this treasure within them. Again, the, the treasure within the clay pot would have been the oil that was lit to bring light to the pathway or to a dark room for someone in the first century. The treasure for us that's brought light, that shed light into the darkness of our souls is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And its purpose is to show us that God did something for us, and its purpose is to show those who are yet to know Christ around us that someone did something in us we could not do for ourselves. If we're not careful, churches can become replete with self-help Christians. And in our time, the church can become somewhat of a, a worship center for superstars. And let's remember, you don't have to be a large church where some superstar Christians are exalted or self-exalted. You can easily assume there are superstars even in this church if you're not careful when there are none. Remember, Paul is addressing a whole church of vulnerable saints, including the pastors of this church. I don't believe in any of the chapters of this second letter, Paul directly addresses the pastors. So when he does not do that and a letter is written to the church, it's written to the pastors too. So the pastors are fighting, fighting through a great degree of being personally, feeling personally vulnerable at this time. Right. Remember, they didn't do the right thing 
in years past, hence the first letter of Corinthians. And now that they're charting a right path, they've got these unbelieving invaders from the inside that are attacking their authority as they preach with authority the word of God and the gospel of Christ. So they're vulnerable. Everyone in the Corinthian church is right with God now, but vulnerable for these reasons. So no one who is realizing their own vulnerability is even feeling like being a superstar, let alone desiring to self-exalt themselves as one. So look around you this morning. With that said, look around you this morning. Do you see any superstars? I don't think so. I don't think so. I suppose I can understand that you're, if you're a new believer in Christ, that you would look around this morning, you would say, oh, wow, I, I, I could never be like her. I could never be like him. Well, my friends, those people that you look up to are not superstars. They're earthen vessels that have a treasure within them. And if anything is glorious about them, it's not them, it's Christ. And they are being formed into him or unto his likeness. The more any saint grows in Christ's likeness here, the more we are reminded it's only by the grace of God in Christ. And any spiritual change that's brought about in our lives is all of him. You see, these false invaders, these hucksters that we've spoken of before, they had deceived their way into the Corinthian church by their own fallen nature, and they needed recognition, and they needed exaltation. Religious unbelief craves exaltation, and they live for self-exaltation and they live for recognition. Exaltation and recognition was their spiritual energy drink, if you will. They quenched their selfish thirst from the praise and adoration of people as if the greatness of the power of God resided only with them and not in them. So, yeah, beware of those who always feed off the attention and the exaltation. And yet always remember the gospel has a purpose in this context. It is for you to always remember that any good thing of a spiritual nature that comes from you is only because of the greatness of God in Christ within you. You know, the, the religious world struggles with the truth Paul teaches here. They know that every man is made in God's image. Therefore, every human being has intrinsic value. And they do, don't they? Mere religion has a tendency, though, to uphold that value at the expense of seeing what Adam's Sid, sin did to that image. Sin forever affected the value of the vessel. Sin shattered 
the vessel into a million unrepairable pieces apart from God's grace. Religion clings to the value of brokenness, mere brokenness. Think about it. They exist off of having to cling to being broken and remaining broken. So spiritual healing comes from their religious efforts. What they can do becomes the means of grace to gaining favor with God. And this religious effort, emphasis, always brings attention to itself. By nature, it can do nothing else. But Paul proclaims the spiritual reality to the vulnerable Corinthian believers that the only permanent, divine, and spiritual healing you've received is nothing of you and everything of God. So if anything of spiritual value again exists in us, in you, praise God and not man. Let's take a moment together and examine some New Testament texts, how God chooses to use us as broken vessels or clay pots. Always remember, especially newer believers and young people, God has made you the way that he's made you so that you can do a unique work for him that only you can do. Luke wrote what the Lord told Ananias of Paul in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. Go, for he, Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine, a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. God had a unique design and purpose for Paul, and he does for you as well. This treasure we have in our vessels gifts us all with the unique spiritual qualities, divinely tailor-made for you as you exist within this particular local church environment. No Christian here should ever feel even remotely useless to the cause of Christ because of the truth that Paul's preaching here. Not one saint. You all are chosen instruments of the Lord. Uniquely pieced into this family for the spiritual existence of our eternal mission in our world. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. In Christ... And as we are governed by the Spirit, we are all vessels so that God might use us. We're not just uniquely tailor-made for the existence of the church. He's graced you to be active in the way that he's made you 
and recreated you in Christ. As earthen vessels, we are completely dependent on God. Right? This is second, really, Peter chapter 4. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 through 11. It's his manifold grace that has gifted us to be functional inside the local church under the encouragement of one another and the glory of Christ. So, yeah, we're to be serving. We are to be busy in relationship to how he's uniquely made us. And then we're to be growing. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20, Paul says, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. The focus for us as God's people is always to be on the treasure and not on the sufficiency of the vessel. And we are to guard that treasure, guard that gospel content and what it's done to change us. One author said Paul was never afraid of suffering in any way for Christ because he knew God would protect his vessel as long as he guarded the treasure. God permits trials, God controls trials, and God uses trials for his glory. And he can be glorified through our weak vessels. So this is the confident reality of every Christian here this morning. In Christ, we all have a treasure in our clay pots. Any spiritual thing done through us for the good of others and the glory of God is only because of the greatness of God within us. So are you a vessel that the Lord is using right here at Grace Church of Menor? There's been plenty of obstacles to the usage of your vessel here in 2020 in this local church, hasn't there been? Have you found your way back to being a useful vessel even in the midst of all the distractions and speed bumps and roadblocks of this calendar year? Some haven't. Merely showing up for worship is part of being a useful clay pot. We're glad you're back. We're glad you're faithful in coming. But the text here teaches us the greatness of God is seen in your transformed life and your life must influence another life. Certainly you can influence another life by standing and singing and proclaiming the truths of God in song and, and enticing them to one another one another to love and good deeds in the context of worship, but you've also been given a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift, and everyone's got at least one, it's got to be developed in discipleship, and then it's got to be employed to the building up of the flock. You've got to walk with someone into spiritual service in addition to worship, in addition to enjoying the company of God's people on the Lord's day. It's absolutely essential for your spiritual health. The implementation of those spirit-given gifts by the manifold grace of God, as as they're employed in the local church, brings you out of feeling spiritually vulnerable. There's really no obstacle than that any particular 
year can throw at you to keep you from being a serving, disciple-making saint in this local church. 2020 could be a cupcake year compared to 2021. And 2021 could be a cupcake year compared to 2022. And I'm not trying to be overly discouraging when I say that. But folks, right now we're all pretty well off still. No one's gone without food, clothing, and shelter. Everyone's made their way back to almost, well, little shy of almost of normal way of living when you really look at the obstacles in the rearview mirror of this year folks they're actually quite easy to overcome right compared to what might happen next if this year made you feel spiritually vulnerable that's okay God grows us through that. We're learning how. But there must be an implementation of your spiritual gifts to the building up of the body. And it must be done outside the context of mere worship. Okay. Let us help you get there as you help us stay there. In that sense, we need the power of the greatness of God within us to be shared with each other. We need to know from you how that greatness of that power is operating in your clay pot. Because I'm not the prophet or a son of a prophet, I don't have to be because of what the book of 1 John says. The world is passing away and the lusts thereof. But he that continues to do the will of God abides forever. All of us know that there's, because of Ephesians 6, that there's something bigger than all of us going on that's not good. But it's all going to work out to God's glory he's overseeing it all he'll superintend it all you can't even put your finger specifically on what it is that you're feeling and i'm not a real big supporter of feelings unless they're based off of faith and facts but some of you have a really good strong faith and you're living on a lot of bible facts and you're still having this feeling of something's heavy going on in our world and it doesn't feel good as a matter of fact, those of you that have the deeper faith and the most facts about your faith are sensing that the most. But <laughs> we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the ability that we have to live life, the power that we have to live life can never be blamed on you but only on God. There's a, there's a spiritual life that's to be recognized by all from within us. And it's the life of Jesus Christ. And we're going to see that next week as we gather together. It gets, this text just 
continues to grow towards glorious truth after glorious truth after glorious truth to the point where we're so overcome by the beauty of the greatness of the power of Christ. We're actually blinded by that glorious light to the point where our circumstances continually fade into nothingness. That's what the reality of this power within us brings us to. We'll get a little teaser for it by reading verses 8 and 9. Are you ready? There's four contrasting phrases here that Paul uses in verse 8. We are afflicted in how many ways? Every way you can think of, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Because in the midst, and by the way, this is one that we'll look at the other two next week. This is one of three times in this short letter where the Apostle Paul uh, describes for us the depth and the breadth of his physical affliction. This is a short description. The other two texts are much longer, but they're worthy of our reading and understanding. But this is the only time among the three where he uses the pronoun we. And we get that we from the second word of verse 7 because he carries that pronoun through here. Your Bible translators probably added the pronoun we in verse 8, but it's understood that the first usage of it continues to walk with us through this text. He said, it's not just me that has gone through this, it's the we that are going through this. But regardless of the degree or the depth or the breadth of the affliction, there's something. The glorious power of God shines brighter in compelling our perseverance. So it's actually we're going to see next week is that the power of God that compels us to persevere regardless of the affliction becomes our distraction. Wow, I can't believe you made it through that. Wow, I can't. Wow, God did it. Circumstances aside, you persevered because of the greatness of the power of God that rests in you. You know, we made it, we're making it. Husbands, your wives need to see the greatness of this power demonstrated in your home, practically. Parents, your children need to see this. All of us have struggled with this and probably failed this year in demonstrating the greatness of this power in our lives in so many practical ways in our homes as we, in in broken vessels, live through whatever's going on in our culture in the last eight months. But as vulnerable people, we need to move towards this reality and towards this resolve that we'll unpack next week. And in this resolve, we'll understand, as one author said, that suffering only reveals not only the weakness of man, but always the glory of God. 
And the glory of God and the greatness of the treasure within the Corinthian believer is spiritually and visibly recognized in our collective resolve to persevere and to persevere together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you for the reality that we have that is continuing to have an influence on us and will until we see our Savior. We are having this treasure. And we thank you, Lord, by grace that as we enjoy the demonstration of the spirit and power of God from within us and among us, that together by grace we can have a resolve to live under various kinds of pressures, regardless how painful, in a faithful manner. So as a vulnerable people, Lord, we ask you that you would continue to instruct our hearts as to who Jesus is and what the Spirit of God has done to place us into him and as the Spirit of God indwells us, his omnipotent ability to compel us by grace to persevere. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.